Stuart Kodiak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you want to tell that story? Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, I... JF got hammered the, like the first night too. Was it? I thought it was hammered on whiskey. Or one what? night, I Chris, I don't normally drink whiskey. Chris started to pour me a few shots, and he added a little extra. And next thing you know, I had three in me. He <laughs> shook. Mister Innocent over there. <laughs> I I don't remember going to bed, but I woke up in the middle of the night because we were on this. We were sharing bunks, and uh, my ears. So I take them out when I go to sleep. Well, I remember saying, hey, I'm probably going to lose these things in the middle of the night when I pull them out. Well, I fell yeah. asleep with them in. Sometime through the night, I'd pull them out. I'm, I'm sleeping. All of a sudden, you just, hey, hey. I, I can feel like the bed, the bunk's yeah. moving. I'm like, what, what's going on? I can't find my ears. I can't find my ears. I can't He's, find them. He starts panicking. I'm like, dude, we'll find him in the morning. Go back to bed. He can't hear me. <laughs> he keeps talking. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. We'll find him later. And he's like, I got to find him. It was just, it was comedy. to the RNA Outdoors podcast fueled by Ripcord Arrowrest and First Light Hunting Apparel. At RNA, we are public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we interview professionals in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrowrest, the bow hunter's number one fallaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment and their patented drop-dead brake system that eliminates launcher bounce back. Best of all, Ripcord is backed by their rock-solid guarantee. If the original owner has a part break for any reason, it will be repaired or replaced at no charge. And did I mention, Ripcord is located in southwest Montana, where all their products are made with pride in America. Check them out at ripcordrs.com and on their social media feeds. This podcast is brought to you by First Light Clothing and Hunting Apparel. Born in the Rockies in central Idaho, First Light's mission is to create simple yet proven versatile gear that provides comfort and performance in any situation while working to promote the pursuit of ethical hunting and stewardship. I recently joined the First Light Pro Staff team and have continued to be impressed year after year in their innovations in engineering and merino wool fabrics. Ten years ago, they started putting out wool fabrics with camel patterns, and immediately this changed the game. Since then, they offer multiple layering systems and kits in various proprietary patterns and continue to raise the bar with their competition. 
Find them online at firstlight.com or under their social media feeds. Go farther, stay longer. Well, I'm sitting here on, was it June 8th with the, what did, what did I say? Hashtag Amador Assassins. Today is the 9th. 9th, yeah. yeah. Is today the 9th? Oh, yeah. it is the 9th. Yeah, with two boys I went turkey hunting with, uh, was it about a month or so ago? Went up and hung out with yeah. you guys and did some turkey hunting and had a great time. Had a phenomenal time. Got into some good birds, got into some good action and, and uh, thought I'd return the favor and have you guys down and do some hunting down here on the central coast so we got mr joe bowhunter to our right and mr chris stone who's no um this is not his first podcast by any means but no stranger to this podcast so anyway guys welcome to the show thank you thanks hey. yeah, we're here on different terms different grounds but common yeah. theme is we're out sending arrows and having fun so yeah it's your turf now yeah a little yeah. different but a little different topography than what we were up in the pines hunting turkeys in but still uh still good to be outside and slinging arrows for sure well like chris said didn't take much to convince us yeah you know, anytime an invite hang out people that we get like along pigs. with and got stuff in common with we're gonna be there yeah. something so, about pigs isn't it it's just kind of it's yeah. weird you know it's a different rush it's a different i don't know if it's because of the abundance of them or just the fact they're like one of the funnest animals to archery hunt because they do have a great nose, but they can't see you very well. So you can get in close to them and there's well, a lot of advantages to archery hunting them. Yeah. They're just born to be bow hunted. Their eyes are low to the ground, get in the grass. They can't yeah. even see you. And just all that combination and you get super close most of the time. Yeah. You know, you're shooting them inside 20 yards. Sure. So. Yeah. yeah. So Joe, so you've, you're no stranger to hunting pigs and you've kind of, had a previous history of doing some of that here in California. Maybe talk a little bit about your history and, and hunting and kind of where you're at now. Yeah, so I, uh, I mean, I've been in love with bow hunting since I was 15, so that's 36 now, so 21 years, God. Um, you just put that out there? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah. Catch up you guys. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, we, won't, uh, we won't throw that out there. Yeah, but you know what? It's been a good 21 years. Yep. But yeah, no, so I, I grew up bow hunting and, you know, Chris and I met when we were early 20s and we started hanging out and um, I actually guided pig hunting on Tone Ranch for a little while. That was kind of my pig, my main pig experience. I did it for, I don't know, six, eight months, whatever it was, guiding before I took off for the other job that I have. But uh, it's just pig hunting, something, ever since I was a kid, seeing it on TV, whatnot, it was just one of those things that I had to try that. And I remember I shot my first pig. I was just 18. I just graduated high school, and it was one of them things. I, I snuck across this field, and there was a group of them, and there was not a tree for miles. And I just literally snuck in and shot this thing at 10 yards, 12 mm-hmm. yards, whatever it was, and it dropped. And, and the rest is history. I just said, yeah. i got to hunt pigs. And yeah, we don't have too many up where we're at. So for us, it's a trip. You know, we go pig hunt, travel, do this and that. When I was on Tahoe, that was about... I don't know, four and a half, five hours where I live. So I moved down there for a while when I was guiding, but it's just whatever. Pigs are year round, you know, they're, yeah. they're abundant and they're just the perfect, perfect bow hunt animal in my opinion. Yeah. That's the beauty so, of, at least here in the state, California, you can hunt them year round. Most places mm-hmm. they tend to go nocturnal in the summer, but, um, in the fall and 
and in the spring usually is some of the best time to to hunt pigs but um you know here on the coast you know we've got pretty much an abundance of pigs i think the two highest county population harvest reports come out of both monterey and san luis Obispo county so um there's a there's a lot of pigs here there's a lot of pigs that never really ever get hunted too there's a lot of private ranches that that don't want them hunted for a lot of reasons but they have become a bit of an invasive species in some areas where people want them gone which is nice for people like us who can help them you know with managing some of that so yep yeah so and then we got chris stone back on the podcast did our turkey podcast we did about a month or so ago Uh, but uh yeah chris nice to have you back and yeah it's been fun yeah it's uh it's cool to come down here and see new country new territory and you know get out with you guys and you know joe knows it's always fun getting out with him you know as he says arrows are flinging yeah some more than not stuff's gonna bleed yeah (laughs) yeah but no you got lucky this spring right you went and were able to hammer down on a pig earlier this year yeah i got fortunate uh we have a few around us and i'd been out a lot like 10 times yeah, Joe, we're, we're, Joe still figuring, me. we're still figuring them out yeah they're, they're they're slowly but surely populating yeah but so. uh finally one day we had a storm come through and it broke and i'm like man be a good day to get out there and it must have just brought them out early and snuck up on two boars and stuck a black and white one it's pretty cool about yeah, a, it was two, a nice yeah about 200 pounder nice size pig yeah yeah i remember when you i think you'd sent me maybe a trail cam photo and i think you sent me photos of it in the distance and then i think like that next morning you sent me a, a photo of it with you behind it with your bow i was like that's awesome yeah it was cool yeah that was i don't a lot of i've seen a few amount of pigs and i've never seen one with that belt that it had that white belt mm-hmm. it's pretty cool that's what's neat it. about them i mean every one of them is distinct you know i mean the black ones are the black ones which are always cool but you get ones like that you get oreo colored ones you get the reds you get the mm-hmm. you know the calico spotteds you get the blend of any of those combinations right? right and they all some of them start out as spotted calicos and then they turn into something different you know from piglets to the time they become mature now would you call those like these ones we're hunting russians well, yeah. what's that's so those are russian boars yeah. then yeah. yeah i mean the the boars for the most part are have that kind of russian longer snout right yeah. and then a lot of the sows are more that european style like the one the one that you know you got was more that big plumpy kind of european style gotcha so they i mean pigs they'll interbreed and who knows how many different yeah. mixes you got they were there. introduced i think in the 20s here and um yeah. well, they've been here forever since and they've just proliferated to the point where i mean you know management of them is you can hunt them year-round especially in a state when you look at tag allocations for most animals right i mean the elk populations are crazy and they give out you know hardly any hardly many minimal tags but you know they you know sheep are the same way which sheep is a little bit different but yeah with pigs though it's 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 a different story well you got a lot of territory around here that's just untouched i mean you know there's roads around here and there but to get in there to where the pigs would be you got five miles of no roads and that's all they need yeah. you know pigs will go sit in those holes and nobody bothers them and yeah they just keep breeding they can what is it up to three litters a year yeah yeah and on average most sows can can litter some of them say it's actually on like the on an anatomical <laughs> clock of like at three months three weeks three days yeah. like three, i mean just the whole like three um the triangle of three is very consistent with with sows but 
the hardship with a lot of them here is is depending on the climate time frame so if sows start dropping again here in the next month or so which a lot of them will um, it'll get super hot here and if they don't have water for the piglets the piglets you know they won't survive they yeah i think so. that's what happened on that major decline we had down south was that it was so dry the whole winter actually never got green in uh-huh. the spring and it never turned green and i was there yeah and uh just i think that's what happened all the sows were so dry and yeah i mean it does it, like i said it plays a big role yeah that. and that's that's like kind of one of the tactics i was talking to you guys about you know on these hot days if they come out late they're generally always going to try to hit water first so they can get piglets water and then they'll go out and, and get to feed later but a lot of times the boars won't come out till the middle of the night and uh, feed and then they're usually staying about that first 15 20 minutes of gray light and then if you're not on them at that point those those big boys are usually gone but yeah the sows will kind of hang out a little bit a lot of times and feed you know until probably 30 40 minutes and then they're they're starting to move as well well that last night i think i saw two different groups with piglets that come through like the one that come by when it was almost too late and then the ones that were early the below me there those shoot when all those blew out of there there was yeah at least eight or nine piglets yep yeah. Group. And on average, I mean, most will drop anywhere from five to 10, 10 on the high side. Sometimes we've seen like 12, but an average litter is anywhere from five to 10 on average. What do you and think the survival rate is on those? As far they're as about 50%. 50? Yeah. Yeah. And on a good year like this though, where a lot um, of moisture, a lot of moisture, grass levels are higher. So I think part of the reason I think the pigs are, are hanging in the uncut stuff versus the cut stuff is, is they have cover there, right? So the piglets have cover. So the sows feel comfortable versus them out in the open, makes right? Sense. Where there's a little more, you know, threat for, for predators. Yeah, and you guys sense. obviously heard the predator. I mean, every morning and every evening there's coyotes yipping well, like crazy. So we saw, we saw the effects of that this morning. Yeah. They'd eaten, eaten yeah. a little bit. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys showed up, um, Friday and, uh, we got you, Dialed in, shot the bows, got all the tweaks out, and uh, we went out uh, on uh, Friday night and uh, were able to glass up some pigs and and uh, didn't, I guess I wouldn't say get an overly much amount of stock, but we got to see some pigs and mm-hmm. got to get out on some pigs at least Friday night, which was, it's always good to at least, you know, see them. And, and for you guys, it was new property, new territory. So right. that's always, you know, there's that period of time where you're trying to adjust to that and understand the area and kind of where they come from where they go right Right. yeah what's going on it's we always said the the second or third time you hunt a place you always are a more efficient hunter sure no different this weekend no different to me because just figuring out okay you know you tell us the stuff but we don't know until we get there we see what exactly the layout is and once we got a feel of that and and then the morning is the same thing because they did what you knew they were going to do but we didn't we weren't i was when we saw those pigs yesterday morning i was kind of surprised yeah i won't lie like i was like oh they're right in here i was thinking they were gonna go four or five miles and sure you know not be that close and so it it was a pleasant surprise yeah but we got on them and the only almost got them usually the only consistent thing this time of year is is that there's probably going to be pigs it's just that they're not very predictable in terms of which way they're coming or which way they go through the middle of the night so 
you know, this time of year, um, the barley's key, which is feed, the water's key. And if you have that, they'll find sanctuary somewhere on a, you know, a hillside with rolling oaks in it. They'll find a place to root. But having the having the feed and the water is so critical. And then from there, just kind of figuring out, you know, being out there, knowing, you know, where they're coming from, the times of days they're coming and going, and uh, just playing the wind. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's 90 plus percent of it, mm-hmm. right, to get a pig killed is getting the wind right and then you know the other part of it is is just the skill which i think that just happens based on practice and and you know the amount of stuff that we kill right yeah experience is the experience best teacher is big. Yeah. it's the best teacher no matter what yeah. i've always said you can read every article and book and take all the notes and practice but yeah right in front of you is what what really comes down to it separates the men from the boys i think yeah but. Yeah, so Friday night we were able to, to, to see some pigs but didn't really get any opportunities, but we felt, you know, pretty good. The weather was, was cooler on Friday, and, and we had a cool evening, and then we, we went in Saturday morning, and, uh, you know, right at first light uh, in that open field, we had that lone boar that uh, decided to give us the runaround a little bit and uh, I think came into about 40 yards. and mm-hmm. uh, You had to bring that up. Yeah, well, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. That's no, right. no, slip. Under yeah, the bus. yeah, you gotta remember. Just, hey, it's remember a, that. <laughs> it, it was an experience, right? It was an experience, but it was the way I look at stuff like that is an opportunity, and you got to take yeah. advantage of them. And yeah, it was just like you said. It was kind of a crapshoot, and there's a couple of us there. We weren't sure what to do, and before we knew it, we had this boar at 40 yards, and weren't in position to really get a good shot yeah and within a few seconds he was on to us and then he was gone yeah and that's that is the one thing i mean you know and i when i think about you know having multiple bow hunters and of course we had another gentleman with us who was was also rifle hunting it it makes it tough because you know it's one thing if there's one or two people there you know they they probably don't get too feared out but you know when there's five people standing there and then um, and someone st- does this someone moves here someone looks they can cut, you know. They can pick up on those subtleties, and, and well, we stood out too. We weren't yeah. exactly hidden; we were yeah. just standing right there in the open. Yeah, but he did essentially what you know we thought he would do. The wind was good, and he actually literally started coming towards us versus mm-hmm. going away from us. And it wasn't until he crested over that little hill and got to about the 40, 40 yard mark where you know he kind of stopped. Then he moved a little more, and I ranged him again at forty. And uh, he put his nose up, uh, and then he sniffed because I think he had just gotten to the point where there may have been enough drift yeah. in the air for him to, to catch a little bit of scent. And then he went off, and I, I think I ranged him again around 50-something. And, uh, yeah, and up, up and up and away he went. Yeah, it was just one of those things. I think the opportunity, we weren't ready for it to happen that quick. We were yeah. thinking he was going to stay out there, keep feeding. Yeah. And that's why we were moving our way down to get in line with him, and we are going to pop up. And, like oh crap he's coming right at us so get ready and we yeah. were all kind of caught off guard and that's why we didn't get a chance to huddle up and hide yeah. better but yeah and i feel bad because i got in a position where i thought you know that that pig was going to come in front of us where chris was just going to have a, a you know probably a less than 10 yard shot or if he was going to cut us to the left you know we had everything's covered but i was essentially standing probably i would say uh, i don't know within a few feet in front of chris and as that pick continued to go i'm like i'm thinking okay when's this arrow going to fly by my hip right because right. i figured he was locked and ready to go and he had an arrow knock but just yeah it was just happened fast we didn't really have a plan and uh yeah it didn't work out but that's yeah you know, that's how it goes sometimes you pig hunt enough you're gonna have plenty of those 
so closest. Yeah. It's just, that's just big hunting. Yeah. You know, you usually get an opportunity every day within a hundred yards and whether it happens or not, it's just, yeah. Sometimes they fall right into your lap. I mean, there's, it's, I've always said it's amazing how it, you can get so close to them. Like I've had some trad guys with under 10 yards to pigs this year, win perfect, don't even know you're there. And then I've had taken guys in at a hundred yards. They just blow out like crazy, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just enough of a swirl. Um, It's just amazing how good their sense of smell, you know, the smell is. That's why I think people don't give them that much credit. You know, because they're low to the ground, they can't see very well, but their nose makes up for a lot of the senses that they, they may not have. I think, uh, too, their sight is better than we give them credit for. It's just either there's a lot of pigs or there's, you know, there's something. Because uh, this year when I was hunting in Australia, we were making this loop on these pigs, and we were 350, and, but it was flat and wide open across this big prairie that we were trying to get the wind right. And I'm not kidding, these pigs saw us from 300 some yards out they popped their heads up looked at us didn't give them credit they were gone mm-hmm. and so i think their eyesight can be good yeah um there's times when it's uh what's the right word muffled you know low light. A tall grass low light yeah so i i've learned try don't don't over you know give them don't give them a, give them more credit for their eyesight because yeah. sometimes they will pop you yep if you slip and it was even on friday night we were kind of making a move in in that little ditch thinking that you know they were going to come down and feed out like they had the weekend before and you know whether they saw us or whatever the case was i mean when an animal's higher than you and they see movement they can probably see movement now whether or not they can pick out what it is right. you know we were a few at least a few hundred yards away doubt that they could figure out what we were but especially at that time of night because it was around eight twenty something i think right. when i took that photo so it was pretty dark but um yeah i'm sure they can see movement i mean i you know i wouldn't doubt that i just don't think like most animals they can truly make out whether it's a predator or whether it you know what it is right yeah so and pigs you know if they're and that also goes back to if they're pressured or not you get pigs that aren't pressured that much not getting shot at versus ones that are shot at every time they come out in the field yeah yeah make a difference yeah absolutely i think it's like a lot of animals if they're not feeling pressured then they're more apt to being out sooner and you know they're probably not as cagey as the ones that uh you know get rifle shots shot at them all the time or hey there's two missing now there's three missing i think they start to sense that after a while that mm-hmm. you know johnny didn't show back up after last <laughs> night where'd he go yeah so yeah so then we went out like say we we had that boar slip us you know in the morning and then we were able to slip to the back of the ranch and and uh you know glassed up some more pigs there was more in the in the back section of the ranch that went up into the hills and that's kind of one of the fun parts about pig hunting is is you you can get a couple different opportunities at least on this place that that we're hunting you can kind of catch them out in the barley initially but then you also get a little bit of that um you know rolling hill oak hunt as well uh in mid-morning if they do push up in there because a lot of times they'll just slow play into those oaks and the chaparral and they won't move too quick because they feel like they're in cover there right? right they're not moving but if they're getting pressured they'll they'll push up in there but uh yeah you guys were able to get up there and and got we got on the spine of that ridge and we saw the one that one sow that was out in the open and uh chris was able to kind of go in and didn't really get much of a stock but was able to at least get down there and then um kind of work that other group that ended up going back over i guess that other ridge down the bottom there yeah those uh 
It's just one of those things, timing, you know. That's all it was. If we'd have been there 10 minutes earlier, who knows what would, the outplay would they have been. They could have been coming right in. and Or, yep. you know, if we'd have went to the left there another 100 yards and waited right there in the bottom when that one popped back out. Yeah. And it's just timing. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's thick vegetation. It's close to their bedding area and timing. Yeah. And you, you experienced that a little bit because we were actually coming on the backside after um, Tim had shot his pig. And, uh, you know, we'd seen that other group just on the skyline there, and they were moving in and around, kind of rooting around, which generally that time of morning when they start kind of getting a little anxious, they're getting close to bed at that point. So they're kind of milling around. You can see them moving in the silhouette there. And uh, Chris went in and tried to put a little bit of a, a stock on one and got pretty close, probably got within 15, 20 yards, just, just hard yeah. to see in that stuff. Yeah, from our first uh, view, I mean, when you're up high and you're looking down, it looks somewhat open even though it's chaparral and you know thick buck brush but once you actually get down in it you know and you try to be quiet <clears throat> things are dry every twig every yeah leaf every weed you step on makes you know loud snap crackle and pops so it was just super tough and the wind was fine but once i got to 15 yards i started trying to look pick out a pig and they must have heard me because i don't think they winded me and they busted out of there but yeah happens and that's the one thing you know hunting pigs a little earlier in the year when it's wet and green i mean you are like just stealth mode going through there a lot of times you know and they're quiet too but they make noises they make little grunt mm. sounds you know they they kind of the little boars will kind of screw with each other and they'll you know they'll squeal and squine a little bit so that's one advantage to hunting the pigs is is you may not be able to see them so well but a lot of times you can hear them move around or you can see you know little trees oak scrub kind of moving back and forth so you have an idea where they're at well those ones that he was going in after remember you and i were standing there and it made that little circle and went in there and you could just see the brush as it was moving it moved about 10 yards through there but just yeah and just that's what gave it away we, yep. okay that's where it stopped moving so it's got to be right there yeah and they're in there trying to root under a tree or something to try to find a place cool place to bed that's pretty much what they're doing so yep yeah, didn't didn't have any luck, but I think someone sent an arrow yesterday morning. Yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, he got a little excited. We Chris was out in front, and Lucas, knowing that what the pigs do, looked back up behind us, and there was a pig standing out exposed, and and turns out there was a few of them up there, and yeah. So I went back, and it was I had to to get up there. I had to make a lot of noise. And I was, wasn't very far from it. I was inside 100 yards already, and I was thinking, well, you know, if I if I go up there and I blow them out, I'll just sit right here. It's I get range it. It was like 67 to the farthest spot. I go screw it. I'll just fling one up there. I can hit stuff that far. And I <laughs> I range the bush at 66, and they come out. I sat there probably what five eight minutes mm -hmm. before they finally mend. Range at 66, and I was stuck in my head, and the pig was behind the bush. So naturally, it's a couple yards and just underneath it it was 60 i guess it was probably about 68 but yeah it got a little excited a little antsy i think just yeah. having such a short time frame try to force things that i probably wouldn't do in a normal normal situation yeah well the hard the hard thing with these is i mean and i kind of was thinking about like comparing it to like my turkey hunt when i you know shot at that one good bird you know pretty early in the game when there was probably a whole show that was going to manifest at that time but with these pigs you just never know i mean if you have a window and you have a shot you feel like you can make i mean i'm not against anyone who would take the shot because who knows if they end up 
cutting in an area and some brush that you can't see and you're never going to get a shot again. Right. right? So yeah. if they give you that opportunity and you feel like, you know, you practice, practice and you, you make that shot, I mean, you know, but a lot of times what those pigs will do is they will feed down a little bit more. And I've yeah. had them do that, come off the hill where they'll feed down and they actually end up bedding a little farther down um, on the hillside there. But you just never know. Yeah, you know? it's just one of those things. Looking back, probably would have just taken my chances and waited. But, you know, like I said, that's experience. Yep. It teaches you that stuff, not, yep. not reading about it. So. Absolutely. Lesson learned. And missed them. But it was good to get draw back and let an arrow fly and... Get no, uh, no animals were harmed in the. That's right, clean miss. In, in Joe's morning, so that was good. I'm really proud of him right now. You are. Yeah, talking openly. Oh, <laughs> hey, it happens, you know. I guess as you get older, you know it's things happen. Hunting. It's bow hunting. hunting. It's just part of. I used to. What Chris is referring to is I used to get real pissed when I miss and and blow a situation where I uh-huh. should have expected to kill. I would just we call it a uh, pout mode. I would just wouldn't talk like that whole morning. I'd have just been, you know what? Done. Hell with this! The hell with this crap. Let's go back to the truck, and I'm learning that doesn't help. You still got one in front of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. You know, it's just what it is. I I made a bad choice, and that's what happened. So I learned from it a bit. Him I and th- I are pretty hard on each other. He knows that we're, we we always compete. We're competitive. Yeah. We're like brothers. We're competitive with each other sure. and everything. So I won't forget about that miss probably till 2020. <laughs> or he won't let you forget about it, will he? No, no, he won't. But be more. It's all good. I'll do the same to him. So. Yeah. But that's what makes us competitive. Makes us better. So yeah. I think having a good friend like that who drives and pushes you, and you know, you guys are hunting different deer you're hunting you know if you're hunting elk in different states or whatever there's always kind of that internal competition right yeah. although you're well, not if we're next to each other we're both you know we both want each other to kill yeah but we also want to do a little better than him sure but that's just how we are and, and we know it um yeah but it like i said it pushes us to both be at top of our game sure and both of us i feel like we've both gotten better because of that just pushing each other throughout the what 10 years we've been hunting together now yeah and so, you know, like, I, yeah, I get a little shit from him from this and that. And I get mad, but it's, that's what makes you better yeah. and vice versa. So. Well, and I think competition for that reason and for a lot of reasons is healthy, you know, just thinking right. business perspective, if there wasn't competition, then you, most people could probably not afford to hire a plumber, right? If there was one plumber in your town, he could charge whatever the heck he wanted because right. there's no competition. So it helps drive that behavior, but it's also good. Because it keeps, you know, it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you always wanting to do better. And I always think that you could probably count on your hand how many real, true, real good friends you have that are actually hunting friends, right? Oh, yeah. Because we've all got buddies that, oh, yeah, I hunt and, you know, they pack roads and, you know, they make it out of the truck and, you know, walk quarter mile and sit for till dark, which is cool. I mean, everyone's hunting is different, right? And what, what gets them outside is what's important. But truly guys that actually get after it, I think there's only, you know on a hand you know maybe both your hands you know you can count that many people that you actually you want to go out and hunt with right well that's why we hit it off so good when we started when we met each other and we just realized hey man this guy we have similar styles we we live next to each or close to each other so we could hang out more and it was just one of those things yeah you know we 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 succeeded because we're able to bounce things off each other like hey what do you think what do you think and we give our opinion but we don't take it you know in a negative way it's positive and and both of us have a little different styles, I think, but we blend it, and it's just helped him and I both, uh, I don't know the right word, but become better. Sure. Definitely. 
I think that's... So, yeah, I won't hear about the end of that one for a while, but, you know, I'll take it. I, I accept it. I've had... I think we've all missed before, haven't we? Uh, if you haven't missed, you well, haven't Someone was talking much, about so. their shot-to-kill ratio earlier, so that's maybe why he didn't <laughs> shoot. I just... It was just one of those trips I didn't get a shot off. Yeah. But yeah, that, that happens. I did did get you at a draw last night, but it, it got to the point where just wasn't didn't feel comfortable right and, and that's okay right? yeah i mean just uh it's right at last few minutes of shooting light and they were in the uh the tall barley that barley. wasn't yeah, uncut yeah. barley and just you know couldn't get a clear shot where i could co- clearly see vitals and yeah just made the choice i didn't want to risk it yeah and um you know chris I'll is a very that. he's a very patient hunter He's taught me a lot about patience because I'm kind of the opposite. Yeah. So he's he's very good about making choices where if he's not confident 100% that he's going to kill it, he just won't do it. Yeah. And I've seen him do that. And I, what the hell he's doing? You know, take yeah. the shot. But that's just Chris. <laughs> I kind of learned that that's how he works. So. Yeah. So it sounds like something he would have done. And it's interesting because, you know, everyone's styles are different, right? There's very aggressive hunters that just get in. And like I've always said, I mean, I'll blow out six bulls to get to the one that I want to get to or the one that wants to play right or if I don't call and I try to spot stock and I have to blow through a group of you know cows I'll do that to get to the bull but some people will just consciously sit and sit water for like four days and I I just I can't do that I I tried that uh, when I was in New Mexico last summer or last fall when I had elk tag there because it just it was so hot and um, I sat one evening and had a small five point come in and I just I, I didn't shoot it and I didn't end up filling my tag either, but, and I was okay with that. I had opportunities and I didn't make it happen, but I just have a hard time being patient, but it's neat kind of watching, I was like kind of watching how Chris stalks in and kind of how he, you yeah, know. Yeah, he goes twice as slow as me, twice yeah. as slow every time. I'm like, come on, let's go. And it's just, that's just his style. Yeah. It works for him. I mean, he's a proven killer, right? Yeah. No, he's, so. he's done some work for sure. Yeah. He's got a room to prove it. There's a. Uh, there's well, he his his quote is different ways to skin a cat. There are and and he said that to me one day and I and that one there's some things people say stick that one stuck. Yeah. And he's he's actually right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's that was one of the ones that kind of you know take everybody's style into consideration and see why it's working and try to apply everything because they sure. all work. It's just yeah. different styles. Yeah. And there's some applications where you may use that style right and maybe you have to go slower take smaller steps or or move slower versus if you know something's in there and you got the wind right you can just bomb in there there, right right. and just get on it you know some of it's timing some of it's time of day some of it's just circumstantial you know if they're going to bed and you want to try to catch them before that you got to get on them if not you're going to sit on them all day until you can get them or because you really don't want to blow them out of their bed especially pigs because right. you blow them out of their bed and you're probably not going to have an opportunity for them you know that evening so yeah yeah, yeah so then last night so we kind of we 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 went and looked at some elk and some deer yesterday afternoon and had a little afternoon kind of recess before we went and, and pig hunted last night and we went back in last night and um yeah, I mean, didn't see a lot of pigs um, before um, sun, but right as the sun was coming down, that's when they started getting active again. And, um, you know, we set Chris up, like you said, and just didn't get an opportunity. And then uh, you had spotted um, a pretty good group of pigs coming back over where we had um, hunted them that morning, right. kind of in the mid-morning. And um, 
yeah, you just were able to slip in and uh, get the job done. Yeah, it's one of those things, as many pigs as we could see, even though we didn't get on them all, I just knew they were somewhere in that area. And, and you know, I kind of wanted Chris to take his first pick and what he wanted to do. So my that was plan B for me. Was, oh, I'll watch over there and pigs come out. You know, we've seen pigs where he was looking or mm-hmm. before those ones, but about the same time and. When uh, when I started going that direction, thinking, okay, I'll get, it'd be right at dark again. They'll make it into the field and whatnot. And when you said, hey, you know, you might want to check that water. That was that was, that right there went to my head, and I went, that's right, that water's up there. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I made that choice. I got up there and was able to get on that sow that come out. Her and her her buddy there, they come out, and I, I shot her. It was 25 yards. It was, it was pretty dark. Um, it wasn't past legal shooting light, but it was it was to the point, you know, pigs are black. And mm-hmm. on that yellow grass, you can see their silhouette pretty good. And I felt confident and sent one home, and, and it worked out. Yeah. And it was a little bit of a sleepless night because we went back this morning. Yeah. And she was laying there dead where I left her, and the coyotes found her, and they ate a little bit out the back end. But uh, just one of those things, I think that was the aggressiveness was what – made the difference in that that sure. outcome you know had i sat back in the field more than likely i probably wouldn't have got an opportunity sure um and that's just experience teaching there but yeah it was lucky you know i made a 25 yard shot a pig was actually quartering away more than i remember and arrow was exited right in the shoulder and she went about i don't know what do you think 80 yards before she laid down but i, I stayed on her with the binos for about a half hour or so yeah. and, and then i got out of there after i couldn't see no more and <laughs> She was right there where I left her. Yeah, so. which you know brings up a whole other topic of conversations about, you know, what do you do in that situation, right? right? You've shot one, you know, in the evening, and uh, it's one thing when you hit them in the morning. You've got most of the day. You can track blood, right? You can maybe let them bed for two, three hours, let them sit, you know, try to get a glass on them. But we've all hit stuff in the evening, right? And it's always that that decision you have to make. How good right. was my shot? Replaying it back of my head. Did I find blood? Did I find my arrow? You know, and of course, last night we didn't have any of that evidence. All right. we had was based on your experience and what you remember, which, mm-hmm. you know, you'd said was about 80% sure that you made a good shot and that where she was. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, did we make the right decision? Well, we probably could have gone in there and she was probably folded up. But I always look at it as I think we always make the right decision letting them lay and come back in the next morning and letting them expire. But, it's always a judgment call, yeah. right? Every circumstance is different. Well, yeah, this one didn't hurt, especially when we took all the circumstances into play. You know, right now, that short time period of nighttime, you know, when we left and then we're going to be back there in the morning is four and a half, five hours. Yeah. Um, you know, and the temperatures are down near 50. Yeah. Um, you know, we just figured it's better. You know, why push her and lose her if we can come back and five hours and find her right there yeah and i think you know we're just talking through it you know do you go back there with a rifle and then you know next thing you know you've got world war three going on because you shoot her and you shoot her again and you got to shoot her you know it's just you know yeah you get into that you you see that happening or you also could go in there and you know obviously find it you know find it dead too so it's just eating up well it's one of those things too you know like uh where you leave them in the morning, if they're dead, they're still going to be right there. Yep. That's, then you got the predators and all that to deal with. So it was just, it was one of those choices. We knew there was a lot of coyotes in the area yeah. and stuff, but better to find her and have her 
two pieces missing rather than never find her at all. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, when I'd left, she made the last few movements and it looked good because I've seen pigs go and go and go as we all have. And yeah. the way she was moving, I knew she was hurt bad and it yeah. turned out worse than I actually thought. So sure. it worked out, but yeah, you know, the meat was still good. So we were able to get most of the meat. Yeah. So that was important because that's, it tastes good. Yeah. And so. Chris, like Chris brought it kind of good perspective to it was you know hey i mean we're just going to be right back in here and you know basically five hours so in five hours in a cool evening now had that thing sit throughout the day probably went a different story Mm -hmm. right but throughout the evening um, those things rigor and get cool pretty quick in the middle of the night and that's what happened and was able to come in this morning we we did a little hunt this morning or attempted to and then you guys went up and basically went right back to where you know you had replayed it back in your mind and and there she, she was. was two feet from where I remember being laying yeah. on that log and it, and you know it's just like I said I've I've had animals do that go back next day and no trace of them yeah and those type of scenarios are what teach you to play it safe rather than to go bombing in there and yeah. do the do that all over again and and that was experience. my fear is that you know these animals are pretty dang resilient I mean you guys have both shot and killed pigs and I've seen some pigs shot with high caliber rifles that Especially little never ones found like again. this one. Yeah, just the the little two hundred and fifty pounders. Yeah. yeah. It's just a little guy. Yeah. It's okay. Big so, Bertha. <laughs> yeah, probably no more than three and a half, four feet long, but man, a big another, pig, yeah. another four and feet wide you, too. Yeah. You guys had mentioned it a few times, you know, there's this big sow and she's got a like a gray buddy and yeah. When I saw that pig, I had to do a double take thinking it was a calf because of how big its body was. Yeah. And then when I saw the short little stubby legs, I knew, but I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, it was so big. I was thinking it was a boar. Grabbed my two blade, a little cut on contact because I need, you know, break through that shield. And I shot her with that. And I, after I shot her, I got a better look at her. And I was like, oh, I think that's that sow. Yeah. And sure enough, it turns out it probably was. Yeah. So... Yeah, probably only had what a two to three inch layer of fat on her in the back yeah, just, and just crazy. the sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's that's just pure virtue of having a good year. I mean, that's really all that is. I mean, yeah. most of these pigs, you saw the one that we skinned out yesterday. Yeah. I mean, just a whole coat of fat on them. Yeah. You know, yeah, not right. a lot of lean. I mean, they're lean under that, but man, they've got a just a ton well, of fat running under right that, now. That, that stuff they're eating. I mean, that one uh, yesterday morning, Saturday morning, we went up on the hill that I'd seen. I went right to where I was standing, and it laid a big old turd, yeah. solid, just good-looking yeah. barley. You yeah, know, they're stacking on the weight. Yeah. So. Yeah, they figure anywhere maybe a half pound to a pound a day, depending on how late they stay in there and gorge. Right. right? That's oh, crazy. Yeah. God, that's a lot. Yeah. So I mean. As that stuff grows for, you know, two to three months, that's right. can be another, you know, 30 to 40 pounds or more. That Should have waited, Joe. Some of these pigs can put on. Should have okay. waited. Should have waited for a what? couple months. You yeah, yeah, got we'll a 300 pounder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be another one filler place. Yeah. And there'd be Real a couple quick. of them probably. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No shortage. And that's, that's, that is the one thing that's, that's fun at the same time, depending on who you talk to also. You know, rent, a lot of ranchers don't like them, so right. because they are invasive and they they eat a lot of their crop and they eat crop. That's money. You know, that's money to them. That's right. asset that they're not selling in hay or alfalfa. So, um, but they're also fun to manage too, from the perspective of conservation, which is what we like to do. So yeah, no, it's fun and it's just you know, pigs are pigs are one of those animals that every pig's in season. So it's not like, you know, you're hunting for deer, you got to look for the buck or the bigger buck or whatever you're looking for with pigs. 
I'm not picky. If it's yeah. big and it's it's you know in range, I'm probably gonna shoot it. Yep. And that's what I love about it is every time you see a pig, it's like possible opportunity. Always keep a tag in your pocket. And I always say that. I mean, even you know when the new fiscal season will roll over in July when we get our new tags. I mean, I'll pick up. I always buy one when I apply just to keep one in my pocket. Yeah, you I know? do too. Yeah. If you're out there and some of the places that I deer hunt around here have you know the ability to have pigs in them and always out there at first light you just never know right yeah. and you come across that 275 pounder with three inch teeth you're gonna wish you had a tag in your pocket yeah you it's know? for what 23 bucks or whatever it is yeah. i mean 20 I mean, bucks you gotta spend the 23 dollars is at some point you're gonna fill it yeah 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 throughout the year and and uh yeah and that's that's the fun part about it is it's good practice for you know the spring part of the year it gets you ready kind of tuned for to me it's always kind of tuning early part of the year at got a new bow set up this year so went out after a, a few a weeks and was able to stick a pig myself but um yeah it's just good practice it's good to know that your bow's tuned and if you smack one where you wanted to hit it you know it makes you just feel that much more confident oh, yeah. going out into the into the you know for me it was the turkey woods after that and um i didn't claim to be quite the first shot actually the first two shots weren't too beautiful <laughs> on my first hey you had, to, you had to you know you had to get the jitters out yeah. had to adjust so it was fun though it's, it's just like it's just like you said anything it's it's just you got to adapt to what your surroundings are and yeah you're a pretty well-rounded hunter so you you know what it's like you've yeah. done it before well we've if it was perfect and you execute it every time i'm not sure it'd be as fun as you know yeah. although it is you start you start hunting with a trap bow right now i don't know that i'll ever get to that point <laughs> no i know i won't for a long time i'd throw those things just, in the river first i first mean the, the simplicity is cool the thought that i mean sticking a string and piece of you know hickory or whatever they're used for a lot of that but i don't know i just i like having something that if i want to shoot out to 100 yards if i want to shoot at 50 yards tweaking and tuning and trying different setups and that to me is the fun part yeah, about it, it you know mm-hmm. I always said if I was going to actually shoot a trad and try to kill some, it would be at our place for turkeys. And I'd shoot the first legal bird every time because we, you know, we get pretty good turkey on where we're at. Yeah. I would probably eventually hit one good enough to kill it. But then I also think that I would wound a few and I don't like the thought of that. Yeah. So, so that, that keeps me from even wanting to try. Yeah. So and there's a lot of really, you know, proficient trad guys out there that are, you know, trad only. And it's, it's, I think it's pretty noble Oh, to be impressive. that way i have right. a lot of respect yeah. for those guys it's i mean very impressive i can watch them i've seen guys group better than i see guys compound group at 20 yards yeah that's impressive that, yeah. that's that's you know practice that that's not a wake up with kind of skill no. it's, it's one of those skills you got to practice at yeah and keep practicing no much respect for guys that do get it done with the trad bow i think of guys like you know obviously chuck adams and the you know the deer some of the stories i've read with him like kodiak when he shot the world record pope and young buck he got dropped off on the island and uh didn't have his boots so he was in rubber boots hunting you know and ended up shooting this freaking hundred and whatever i can't remember how big that deer was he shot but just a massive deer and none of his boots because they were they left on the float plane when he flew off i mean (laughs) think about doing that you know i mean being on kodiak in a place where it's wetter than heck and he shoots a monster blacktail but fred eichler's another one i mean he shot the 29 with his with his trad bow and that's impressive yeah yeah thinking about getting close to sheep and other things like that you know is pretty remarkable but a lot of those guys like you say they can group easily 20 30 yards oh yeah and most of us can get that close to the compound 
right. it should be a no-brainer at that point. But, yeah, it's all bow hunting. That's the fun part. Yep. We all we all share different styles. We all shoot different makes and models, different sights, different arrows. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, we all have a love and a passion for bow hunting, and that's, that's, that's what makes it fun. That's what brings us together, and that's what's uh – I don't know. It kind of keeps the fire alive, and it's nice to to be around people that do have different styles or shoot different stuff than you, just because it all works. Yeah, and it teaches you that hey, my style is not the only way. There's other ways, just like skin a cat thing. It's the yeah. same thing, and you know, you see guys, you're shooting eastern arrows, I'm shooting gold tips or whatever. They all work. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all buddies, and that's that's yeah. what's. I mean, at the end of the day, real guys shoot Matthews bows, but you know. Uh, we we uh-huh. we have some uh-huh. we have some exceptions to the rule. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't hate on guys for shooting different bows. No, hey, you just, shoot the one you like, and and if that's your bow, yeah, right on. If you can kill with it, I'm I'm your buddy. But that's uh, a now if the bow's not in tune, that's a different that's a yeah. different story. Yeah, no, I, I'll, then he'll go nuts. <laughs> yeah, that's just me personally. I'll. I'll hurt my shoulder tuning a bow <laughs> you looks like you hurt your shoulder pulling your bow back sometimes yeah i get that comment a lot <laughs> get back to <laughs> anchor points yeah it looks like but you're 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 pulling quite a bit of weight you got a lot of movement on that arrow too well, it's 75 i think so i had on the scale but you know it's just it's i don't want to ever not shoot because i feel like i might not get enough penetration and you know i'm a shorter guy so i don't have that 30 inch draw length yeah. advantage like some of you bigger guys do and you know, i can shoot 75 it hurts a little bit but i make it work and yeah when i need to shoot something quarter into me and break a shoulder i have no doubt in my mind that shoulder's gonna get broken yeah so that's why i do it yep so so what else you guys got on tap so we're june what's knocking on the door for you guys next well i think we're gonna I hung a couple the other day, but we're going to start looking for velvet. That's our big one. So, Deer season. Deer. August. So you got, you got A-zone. Correct. So you're you're starting here in about a month. Yep, we start just a little over a month. Yeah. So, so that season opens, and then that'll go for about a month and a half. And then, again, it kind of – you just change into these different modes, right? You go from – kind of turkey season to hunt pigs and then pigs to hunt deer and then deer will for me turn into hunting moose and then elk but yeah. i always kind of coin my fall as elk hunting that's the thing i'm always looking forward to in, yeah. in september and you guys got a couple elk tags in your pocket correct that's, yeah waiting on uh well two one of them is pretty slim picking actually real pretty slim pickings but um two more draws still and then i do have an over-the-counter tag i know chris does uh, we're not going to be together on this one, which normally we are, but uh, taking my little brother, his okay. first elk hunt. So we'll be hunting. Uh, I'm basically taking the month of September to go hunt elk, so we'll see what happens. But, yeah, that's, like I said, that's, that's the, the way Super to do Bowl. it, if you can. Yeah, that's the Super Bowl. We all look forward to, you yeah. know, we like deer hunting, we like pigs, but when you get to elk season, that's... Uh-huh. That's what you think about, 365. Yeah. That's, that's and even it. throughout the year, you just think about, like... I mean, you see everyone's coined terms, you know, is it September yet? And Wapiti Wednesday, can't wait for September. But, I mean, it's it's a true thing, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, I can't wait for July because I can hunt bucks here. But I'm truly, like, doing that in spite of waiting to hunt in September, you know, or in my case this year will be early October for, for elk season. Right. No, it's it's everything's a filler until then, and that's just kind of what you, you make your plans around. But, mm-hmm. um 
It's all fun. Either way, it's all fun. It's all gets you outdoors doing things you love, and that's what's important. Yeah, and you guys didn't kill many turkeys this year, so you know no, you, you got something to look forward to in the fall. Yeah, we'll kill more in the fall. <laughs> we hopefully we'll get the total year up to It'll be I don't over know, 30. forty, maybe yeah, possible. Yeah, you gotta come up. Well, yeah. you won't be able to make it. It's in November. Yeah, yeah November. I can. Going on I think November. November. It's not a long season, though, is it's it? A month. In the fall. Uh, okay. They, yeah, they yeah. they made it a little bit longer because usually it went to the Sunday after Thanksgiving, but I think they went two more weeks okay. after that, and then they extended it two or three years ago from one bird to two. Two. Right? Yeah. yeah. You can shoot two birds, you and it's either two. right bearded or non-bearded, and any turkey walking. Yeah, any yeah. turkey. Yeah. So it, it, I like shooting hens because that's the only time I can shoot them. So I usually just shoot two hens. It gives you, I don't know, a little different. Sure. I don't so. think I've ever had the, I've never shot a hen, but I've seen hens with beards before, which is kind of neat, but. We, uh, we actually found, when did we find that? Last February? Was it February? I don't know. We were scouting. We found a white one. Oh. And, uh, we're like, we got it. That's, in that'd the be fall. cool. That's got to be the one, but. Yeah. I think that one's kind of slim. We're hard to find it because where it's at, it's some big area. And yeah. It could be anywhere. Oh. Yeah, only what twenty eight birds this year, I think, in the spring. Yeah, ended up with twenty eight, so not I'm too bad. So disappointed in you, Chris. But I just can't believe that. I told uh, him, hey, I was good at twenty, but he, goes, no, 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 thirty, and that's the same thing, competitiveness, and keep going, and yeah, came close, but yeah. I, I think had a few people um, done a little better, we would have hit thirty because we had a few opportunities that didn't quite pan out the way they should have. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that is hunting. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, 28. That's our best year, though. Yeah. Keep setting bad. the bar. That's a pretty impressive bar. I don't know if we'll get past that again, but we, it, it is. It was a th- good year. This year was, yeah, it was exceptional with the weather we had. Because a lot of times, you know, turkey season, they start getting into that turkey mode early March, mid-March. And then by the time the season starts, they're midway. And then the end of April, forget it. It's yeah. The, by the time you, when you came up. I was in May. Second most week of the in time, May, I think. Was hunting. it the second week? Second, first or second week, wasn't it? Yeah. I think, I think it was, it was the late, second. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think the archery season opened. The yeah. It was prior. it. Yeah. Most of the time, that time of year, forget it. Like you might have an hour off the roost that you might have some action. And then they just go into, into mow down mode. It's 90 degrees and. I think you guys talked about it on that last podcast. Yeah. This year, this is just phenomenal. Well, it was crazy how even in the afternoon, even those those jakes that came in, which was cool. I mean, that was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, right. you know? Uh-huh. You're looking at me like, hey, idiot, you going to shoot? Like, <laughs> it's getting hot. We're running at daylight, you know? But it was like place after place. I mean, we had Collins. I mean, it was yeah. incredible that, that one bird that came in that I missed. But um, how fast that bird came in. I mean, just like on fire. Uh-huh. You yeah, know, you, know, you he get was him like, right. We got set up, and he's like right there, blown over the hill. Just like wow, how fast that unfolded! Just I think uh, all the birds we called in this year between him and I, I was the fastest for sure. It was just like that thing that literally was, was just out of sight. And <laughs> yeah, just over the back of that. I I that barely got here. my camera situated, and I looked up, and I could see their heads coming. Like oh crap, they're already here. Like hit record now. Yeah. I think I hit record to just kind of get myself situated. And as I was doing that, usually I'll stop it and then wait till they come in and hit it again. They came in while I was gone. Yeah, they were already boiling. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh, I'll just leave it rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was cool. But, uh, yeah, so we got velvet <laughs> and then elk season. And I think Chris has got a November hunt. And For deer, I think Oregon. 
Nice. That'll yeah. be fun. That's right. You were talking about that. Yeah. Chase some rutting blacktails in the rainforest. So we'll see. Yeah. Nothing. I haven't done that yet. So something new. Yeah. That, that does sound like a fun one. There's so many there. we, we were talking about earlier. It's just like there's so much we all want to do, you know, and sometimes it's not always a financial issue. I mean, some of them are depending on, you know, what you want to do, but just the stuff in the lower 48, it's not so much a financial issue. It's just time, time. a lot of it, you yeah. know, time all have work, time jobs away from everybody and, and lives and, you know, and that's just not that that gets in the way of that because that's other stuff is important too. I mean, if we didn't have friends and family and, you know, spouses and all that then you know that's probably all we would do is is do that stuff but at probably. some point you do get to a point where you know it, it i don't say you get burnt out but come about november december for me i get pretty wore out from oh, the yeah. fall because i'm just my body's tired and aching and i mean there was one well, there was one fall i think i packed out like four elk in a matter of like 10 days you know really? we just went in and Jesus. just hammered bulls in montana and i just i mean you literally get to a point where you get in a like you're in shape to where it's like, oh, another one, you just throw a rear and, and you know, and back straps in your pack and you just go like you're just in incredible shape, but you feel it. I mean, you're for me, like ankles and knees is where I, you know, I start to feel that, that, that tension in my body, but there's nothing like throwing on a hundred pound pack and packing out, Going. you know, yeah. elk. that's, that's a, that's a great feeling. Satisfaction right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually like, Right after about November, I'll wind down. I mean, of course, you can hunt uh, Arizona late season stuff, but I haven't done that in a few years. And 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 you, you, I don't know. If, does it happen to you when when the season's over, you get that postseason depression? A little bit. You get that. I, I haven't had as bad last year or two, but the years prior, it would hit me bad, and I, I would just no. Yeah. I wouldn't want to talk to nobody. I'd just kind of go in my own little hole, go to work, and come home yeah. and do my thing and. <laughs> Yeah, like know. some of my buddies, they're big, they're big duck hunters, so they fill oh, in that yeah. void, you know, from like December to whenever that season is. And I just, I can't find the, the no. spirit to want to go do that. I just, I don't have a passion to do that, and I haven't found it. And I've been invited, I just haven't done it. But right. that to me is like truly like my downtime, or you know, I'm just kind of rehabbing, re repairing, and getting ready for you know. Pixie, everything just to start over again, right? Well, the chaos to happen. I think, I think what one of the things, and I know Chris is the same as me when I say this, is you replay everything. You rethink every hunt, every situation you had an animal in range, what you did, what you could have done better if you if it got away, you know, every little thing and where you hunted. Well, maybe we should try this. Maybe we should try that area. All that. That's what that two months is for. Because then you get back on the drawing board and you go, okay, yeah, I didn't think of that at the time because yeah. I was focused on the hunt. Yeah. But now, and then so it makes you better for the next time. Yeah. And so I think for him and I, we do a lot of that. We're texting, you know, Hey, what about this, that bouncing ideas and just makes, you know, for the next year, you're more prepared. Yeah. The other so, thing I'm doing, so like I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a engineer spreadsheet geek, but you know, I'm putting my spreadsheets together like January timeframe. Cause then I'm thinking Arizona Elks do Wyoming Elks do right. And then February comes Utah's do March Montana. So I'm in my mind, I'm already going into draw mode. Okay. What hunts am I going to do that? I'm just going to go and pay for, you know, like overseas trips or like in case of this moose trip that I've had planned for a few years, but then between that. Okay. So September here to here is booked, but where can I fill this void or when am I going to go elk hunting? So I'm, in my mind trying to figure out you know right. what the points i have can i draw a tag um can i get an over-the-counter tag you know a lot of times to fill it in where am i going to spend my fall is, right. is what i'm thinking in my mind you know 
And because um, it is planning. I mean, the problem with some of it is when you get to a point where you have a lot of points in states, you don't want to draw um, a great elk tag during September and then end up drawing like a awesome mule deer, you know, archery tag that goes into that same time frame, right? Because then you're competing with what's more important. Right. And again, only so much time. Overlapping season. That's one thing about hunting season is, is most of the hunting is crammed into, you know, the fall. For, yeah. for our area besides yeah. the pigs and the turkeys and yeah you got time work and you got all those things you got to jungle around to yeah. juggle around and it's like i had i have good points and you know a lot of states for elk and i'm looking at it i'm gone the fifth through the 20th this year i'm already set in stone with a with a hunting trip so you know that kind of limits my window not that not that you know probably the better part of the rut happens after the 20th anyway in my opinion in most states but being gone from work for you know basically almost two and a half weeks and then coming back and leaving again. I'm, I don't have the fortunate time to be able to take all of September off cause I have right. other stuff that I've got stacked up, but, um, yeah, you just, part of it's balance and work life, man, yeah. you know, the yeah. working and making sure you're doing that, but also getting out and doing the things you love to do. So well, you only get one balance. shot at life, you know, you don't get yesterday back. So if you did something you didn't like, you might yep. as well but you get many shots with a bow. So that's <laughs> true. Usually. You may never live that down now. It's on. I'm telling you. Uh, it's recorded. It's, it's, it's going to forever it's, it's, be out it's, there. I missed it. 68 yards. I should have killed it yeah. and just dialed the wrong pin. Ah, damn. That's the Anyways. beauty of podcasts is you can capture it forever. Yeah. You have to write it down. All your buddies can listen to it. And yeah. Then they can get, heckle you about it, too. At least it wasn't a 20-yarder. How about that? Yeah. Then we probably really would have been. We might have maybe had to cut the bowstring if it was 20 yards. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, if I missed a 20 yard, that bow is definitely done. would have been the bow. You're done. I'd have hooked it up to the back of the truck and just drove home with it in the back. Chris would have been like, hey, it. where's that Allen wrench again? <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. I appreciate you guys coming down. It's been good, you know, getting to know you guys better, obviously. And it's really as close as we are. It's nice to have, you know, options to, yeah. for a weekend, you know, get for away sure. and, see different country and, and, uh, get to know each other better. And I always think stuff like this, you know, when timing's right and you plan a trip to Alaska to get, you know, you start building relationships where you'd start hunting with, you know, people that are like-minded that right. like to go do the same thing as you. And exactly. they like to run around and go for walks with their bow in their hand and maybe get lucky every once in a while and turn something up. So, well, you got an open invite up there with us anytime. You want to get away and just come on up. Yeah. No, likewise. Oh, for yeah. here. And a few hour drive and you're there. It's not bad. No, so. it's really convenient. and goes by quick. Yeah. Yeah. You guys got to get back on the road. So anyway, I just want to let the listeners know episode 75 just dropped, which was with the Turkey Slayer, Mr. Chris Stone. So make sure to tune into that. And if you want to learn how to kill more birds, I think your name was dropped in there yeah, a few times. Chris is the man when it comes to turkeys. He, uh, yeah. He's, he knows turkeys. Like he starts, I, I, he just, he is a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris yeah. knows turkey. I, I yeah. give him that. He definitely has taught me just about everything. I know. Oh man. I can't even tell you how much I learned in that weekend. Yeah. I, I wish you could come up and spend more time. And, you know, a couple yeah. different trips or something. You got to just try that maybe. Yeah. Because uh, just the whole interaction and the how you do what you do is just very interesting. Because I, I have a tactic with elk I use that's if it's calling, there's a certain tactic, but I don't do a lot of calling. So it's different. But seeing the interactions and similar playing it out in your mind and actually happening somewhat that way is pretty neat to 
to see some of that unveil like it did. When you get to look back, that's, you know, you start thinking about all the things you've thought of before the hunt and then go, Oh, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, exactly. So, well, you know, the right guy Good stuff. Come on up. Yep. For yeah. sure. We'll have to come back down here. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll be fun. We'll make it happen. Yeah. It's like we're well, talking the, about the pigs, pig, pigs. They pigs fill, aren't fill going the, extinct, no. right? <laughs> they, they fill that void. They do. Nothing else is in season. Yeah. They are. I think I put pigs up there within my top three favorites all time to hunt. I just, I like them more than turkeys. And you guys know that. I made that clear, but they're yeah. just fun. And you're right. It is almost a void. I think about, you know, folks in the West, and I say West, we're in the West, but like in the Pacific Northwest, they they can't do a lot of hunting, you know, and right. maybe some spring bear and some turkey for them. But I mean, we can start hunting pigs, you know, December, January time frame, And that's that lull. That's that depression that hits with a lot. Of, and that's why a lot of them go to Arizona and do the over-the-counter deer hunts because they can get fill that void during that time. But right. for us, it's like pig hunting, turkey hunting, back to pig hunting, and then right into deer. So it's mm-hmm. there's a continual feed there. If if you got to feed the main, right, you can get that. Yeah, we're get pretty that lucky to have that uh, availability. Yeah. Because it's, you know, it's at our fingertips 365 days a year if we want to. Yeah. And it's neat to see where you guys live if that continues to be an opportunity for you guys too as it continues to manifest, right? It will. Possible. The way it's been going, they're, yeah. they're taking off pretty good. Mm-hmm. We'll and see. And they will. That's that's one thing. I just saw an article in um, SCI on an email about pigs that have come out of Saskatchewan and they're actually coming down in the border of Montana. Really? And, yeah, they're, they're just feral you know, Russian pigs, but, um, Montana shooting them at helicopters. So they're running the borders and they're hammering them cause they don't want them in, huh. in Montana. Um, which is interesting because I, I mean, you could look at it a couple different ways The farming and ranching is a way of life in Montana. Right. And that's huge with wheat and other things versus here it is. But I mean, most people have farms and ranches and it's dude money to them. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of like some of the ranches that we hunt. It's, they have it for the animals. They don't have it as their livelihood. Well, right. Montana is differently and you get an invasive species there. That's going to hammer your crop. They look at that differently. So oh, yeah. that makes yeah. sense. And you know, they're, they're not native. So, you know, they don't want those types of, you know, species in there. So it'll be interesting to see that evolution. Um, because, I mean, I know there are farms that have them in Montana, like Idaho has some pig farms where you can hunt, um, wild pigs, but they're not like out wild, you know, running the Rocky mountains by any means, you know, so that'd be interesting. Just like how reindeer and, and mountain caribou got on Kodiak Island, right? A guy had them caged in his house and the cage broke open and they got loose. Next thing you know, you can go buy a you know caribou tag and hunt caribou on kodiak so. yeah and we actually saw some we were there mm-hmm. way out there across yeah. the tundra we we got pretty close to the the ocean there and there they were out there yeah. by the beach we had a guy in our group that had a tag and shot a decent yeah decent caribou yeah, so kind of cool but well good joe thanks right. for well it's been a coming, pleasure buddy. yeah good job good shooting thank you good work taking some meat home yeah yeah a little bit yeah I'll uh, I'll share some with Chris. Thanks, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll chuck some meat in your guys' cooler if you need some. I got plenty that I'm not going to be able to eat before I replenish. So yeah, if I bring any moose meat home, I'm going to have plenty of that to to fill my freezer with. So anyway, Chris, it's always good to see you again, man. And yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for coming down. And I wish we could have got you on something a little better, but yeah, it's hunting. At the end of the day, we'll we'll return the favor. We'll make it happen. So yeah. uh, he'll probably go home and 
Get one here in the next week. Yeah, probably in about one or two days. It's going to drive me crazy. And he's going to be out there. I'll be out there every. I got to work at night, so I can't go. So he's going to be out there without me and driving me nuts. I want. I want to know what's going on. What's going on? Get a picture of of the pig, and next thing you know, we'll get a picture of you know Chris's bloody arrow or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully he gets some. Hopefully he gets two. Cool. So. So get a hold of you, Joe. You're on Instagram, so someone wants to look you up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What is it, Joe? Hunter, I think, okay, something like that. So, yeah, I'm on there. And Lucas and Chris, we all tag each other in pictures. So, if you go, yeah, somebody's tagged pictures, you probably find us. Yeah, we'll probably post some stuff up from this weekend and get the story yeah. feed going and get some pictures. And yeah, looking forward to that. You took a lot of pictures, and yeah, videos, and I appreciate you guys, that. You guys, I think, got everything I have too. So, yeah. we'll yeah, share yeah. all that. And it's always good cool, stuff. always cool to hang out with someone that appreciates that as much as we do, you know. Yeah, a lot of times we could probably do, do a podcast just on photography. Well, I always say it's, you know, it's the, the memory, you, you will remember the memory, but the memory lives on forever in the photography. And you 100%. can tell that story to other people that weren't there to see it with good photography. Nowadays with the digital world, it's so easy to just remember everything because you just get there and you can go through your pictures and it's right there at your disposal at any time. It's, yeah. it's really, it, you know, how that, that feeling you get when you look at that stuff. Yeah. So I really appreciate when you get good pictures. Yeah. No, so. it's, that's. That's a big part of it. Most yeah. people hate me for my wedding shoots that I do, but I'll tell them you'll thank me later one day yeah. when you can look back at these and realize, wow, that was some quality quality yeah. photos there. So, right. Especially the ones when we're sleeping in the truck. Uh, who did that? That was you. Oh, I did. I might have taken a <laughs> selfie or two. <laughs> I'm like, I'm driving and I'm talking. Yeah, there's usually some deer over here. And Joe's like, I'm like, totally contorted like neck is like broken and then chris is just back just, i'm looking over i'm like oh this is a kodak moment i gotta get one I, of these i figure you're talking to chris because i can't see him so i just that's funny no, i, I just, realize we're both I sleeping. ended up talking to myself most of the time but that's okay <laughs> somebody's we gotta tired. keep me awake right hey, we were tired we, we got we had to get back safely so no it was good good weekend yeah a lot of fun and uh yeah look forward to doing it again in the future for yeah. sure appreciate it okay guys yeah. ciao Podcast 76, 5? Yeah, somewhere on there. In the books. In the books. Done. Adios. Adios. We out. All right, boys. Take care. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded, and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, 
and get involved with conservation efforts and know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.